Since 2008, care nets across America have seen 823,000 women decide to keep their babies due to the support and services of this ministry. CareNet offers free services like ultrasounds, prenatal care, parenting classes, and support groups. CareNet helps to equip and support women and families. Normally, we would be doing our baby bottle fundraiser. What that is is that we would take a baby bottle and fill it with donations. But because of everything that's going on, it has all gone digital. So if you would like to support the ministry and work of CareNet, I invite you on your donation checks in the memo line to write missions and then CareNet. If you're giving online or on the MVC app, you can write CareNet under other. Join me in prayer for this amazing ministry. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for CareNet. We thank you for the work that they do. We thank you that through their ministry, so many lives have been saved, Lord. Lord, we praise you that 94% of women change their mind when they see an ultrasound. That seeing life, your creation, changes hearts and minds. Lord, I praise you and thank you for this church and other churches across the United States who donate to the work of CareNet and its mission. Lord, I ask that you would continue just to bless this ministry. We thank you for the gifts that are given for the work of the, of the volunteers and employees that work there, Lord. And we ask for your blessing as they go out into the world doing your work, being the hands and feet of the gospel, spreading your love that leads to life and fullness. In your holy name we pray, amen. We are continuing our Knowing God series. Pastor Pete kicked it off with talking about the Trinity, exploring the nature of God, that he is three persons but one essence. Last week, David Miles talked about God as creator, and he did an amazing job talking about the splendor of creation. But my favorite thing that he said last week was that we were created by love, in love, and for love. Church family, we believe that God is love. Pastor Pete talked about this two weeks ago, that love is an attribute of God. What that means is that God is not sometimes loving. He is the definition of love. We were created in love as we find in Genesis 1.27 says, we were created in the image of God. This is referred to as the Imago Dei. God created us both male and female in his image so that we might reflect him, reflect his love as an act of worship and obedience. Today we're going to look at a psalm of David. Psalm 139 is so rich in theology about what the overwhelming love of God looks like. David had this deep understanding of God because he had walked with him through hills and valleys, through triumphs 
and personal shame. Through celebration and loneliness. He was intimate with God. God even says that David was a man after his own heart. Psalm 139 is 24 verses, which seems like a lot, but we are going to take it in its four natural sections. So I invite you now to pull out your Bibles or your Bible app so that you can follow along. If you don't have either of those options, we will also have the verse on the screens for you. Let's start with verses 1 through 6. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Each of these sections begins with a summary statement that David then expounds on. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. God knows everything about us because he made us. He even knows our thoughts. He even knows what we're going to say before we say it. The big theological term we use to describe God knowing everything is omniscience. God is all-knowing. In verse 5, we see that him knowing us so completely does not push him away from us, but in his love, he draws near to us. David says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. My niece, Adelaide. Hey, Adelaide. Loves to catch bugs. She cups them up in her hands and loves to hold them. But this is the picture. This is the picture that David is getting, giving that God is so present in his creation that he holds it in his hands. For some of you, This thought is comforting right now, especially with everything that's going on in our world. Maybe your thoughts are anxious. You feel vulnerable. You feel exposed. God will hem you in. With everything that's going on in the world around us, we can be confident in the fact that God holds us in his hands. Maybe for some of you, this is not a comforting thought. Maybe as you sit there, you think, God's with me everywhere, like everywhere. Or maybe you're thinking of your thoughts and you think, God knows all my thoughts, like all my thoughts. And the idea of him just cupping you and holding you kind of freaks you out. That's okay. When David came to this realization, it kind of freaked him out too. Let's see his response in the next section, starting at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. David's response to realizing God's overwhelming love and what it means to us that he is more intimate with us than a best friend, than a parent, than a sibling, than a spouse, is to consider if there is a way that he could escape. Where can I go from your spirit? We talk about being in relationship with God, but David explores what that really means. It means being vulnerable. It means surrendering to God's will. When David starts to think about all of the places that God is with him, good and bad, his tone begins to change in verse 10. He says, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. The Hebrew word here for guide is nahach. It's the same word we find in Psalm 23, 3. He refreshes my soul, he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. The theological term for God being present everywhere in our lives is omnipresent. David comes to the conclusion that there is no place that God does not inhabit, but that he wants God's loving presence and guidance in his life. God wants to guide you on the right path. He wants to hold you fast with his righteous right hand. Is there an area in your life right now that you need his guidance? Is there an area in your life right now that you need him to hold you fast, to keep you in place? Maybe you're facing a financial crisis and you need God's guidance right now. Maybe you're facing illness and you need him to hold you fast, to be your strength in this moment. Maybe you're facing a broken relationship. God wants to guide you. He is with you in all circumstances. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. David has been considering God, that he knows everything, that he is everywhere. And then he begins to consider what that means for him. And this is what he writes starting in verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the, orda- all the days ador- ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together 
in my mother's womb. We believe that human life begins at conception because even in the womb, you were made by love, in love, and for love. We celebrate Sanctity of Life Sunday because we believe that all people are image bearers of God. That they are the work of a loving creator. Verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The Hebrew word for unformed body is golem, which refers to a mass not yet formed, an embryo. Even at this point, David says that God had a plan for his life down to numbering his days. Church family, You are not a mistake. You were made for a purpose. And that purpose is to reflect God. David praises God that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, your works are wonderful. How many of you have looked at Mount Rainier and thought, God, your works are are wonderful. Or maybe it's a sunset over the ocean that just takes your breath away. God, your works are wonderful. But too often we don't apply that to ourselves. David knew that he was created by a loving God. That he was created in Love. So how could he not look at himself and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, your works are wonderful. You were made for a purpose, but God is not dependent on you. I love that David Miles and Pastor Pete both talked about this in their messages, but I really want to emphasize it today. God does not need you. Let me say it again. God does not need you. I know some of you are sitting there like, that is harsh. (laughs) But hear the good news in that statement. God is complete in himself. He does not need anything from you. God is all power. He is omnipotent. God does not need you. He wants you. Isn't that better? God chooses you. God pursues you. He wants to be an intimate part of your life because he loves you. I want you to really hear that God loves you. Not because what he can get from you, but he loves you because you were created in his image. He loves you for you. The final section is David's conclusion. After all of this, this pondering of who God is and who he is, this is his conclusion. Let's start looking at verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from you, 
from me, you who are bloodthirsty. This is going somewhere good, right? They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Okay, so I know for many of you, this seems like a sharp left turn because I know it did for me when I read it. (laughs) I just love the, God, you are everywhere. God, you know everything. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Slay the wicked. (laughs) The context of this helps. David was facing real flesh and blood enemies. Enemies that were also the enemies of God. In the New Testament, we see our true enemy in Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you feel the forces of evil impacting our world today? All that David has pondered has led him to boldly ask God to fight for him. David is saying, because of your overwhelming love for me, that you know me completely, that you are with me always, that you are sovereign creator, please fight for me. He commits his loyalty to God alone and cries that his enemies are also the enemies of God. As believers, the wickedness of this world should grieve us. The cry of David's heart here is, God, set things right. We know that God did just that with Jesus Christ on the cross. That God hated the sin of this world, the devastation, the separation that it caused. So he sent his son to fight the ultimate battle, to defeat the power of sin and death. Psalm 139 teaches us that we can be confident in God's love for us because it is not dependent on us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die so that we would no longer be separated from him by our sin. Because of his love, we can go before him boldly with our requests. David concludes this psalm with a prayer. He has asked God to fight for him against his enemies, the enemies of God. But then he turns the focus inward and he lays himself before the Lord and asks him to search his heart, to identify the battles that may be going on within. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul? Is there a battle going on inside your soul? David asked God to identify the areas of anxiety 
the areas that could be offensive to God, and instead guide him in the way everlasting. Why does David bring up anxiety? It feels so specific. Because anxiety and fear are often indicators of where you trust God the least. Church family, what areas in your heart are filled with anxiety? Ask God to boldly fight these internal battles. Do you have an area in your life that you have not given to the Lord? An addiction? A relationship you know you shouldn't be in? Maybe there's a part of your life that you keep God out of. You're trying to keep him separate from it. Like your work, or your family, or your school, or your social media account. Ask God to reveal it to you and guide you instead to the way everlasting, to the way of love, so that we can all better reflect the Imago Dei, the image of God. I want to invite the worship team up while I pray for us. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are always with us. Lord, we thank you that you know every part of us to the deepest point of our minds. You know what we're going to say before we know what we're going to say. And you love us anyways. You love us completely because we are your creation made in your image, not because of anything that we have done to deserve it or earn it. Lord, we thank you that you created us with a purpose. Lord, we praise you that we were made by love, in love, and for love. We ask that as we go this week, that you would help us to be vulnerable in our relationship with you, that we would ask you to search us, to show us those internal battles, those things that we are fighting with on the inside, those things that we are holding back from you, and that we would lay them at your feet, Lord, that we would hand them over to you. We thank you for our, that you are a God that wants to be present, that wants to be intimate with us, that comes to us to the point of sending your son to die for our sins so that we would no longer be separate from you. We praise you today, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.